Welcome to the 236th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on June 10th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's just filled up his notebook, Carlos Rodella. I've filled it up with many thoughts on Indie Summer Game Fest. Or wait, what is it called? Oh, jeez. It's just called Summer Game Fest. That's Summer right. Summer Game Fest? The yes. one hosted by Jeff Cayley. With, Jeff, Jeff Keighley. With, a, with a G. With a G. Geoffrey. And also, Geoffrey, yes. I said Indie because there was also a game, uh, Day of the Devs, which was right after it. Yes, yes, exactly. I, unfortunately, uh, a lot of like E3-ish stuff is heating up right now. Lots of announcements, lots of PR. My email inbox is a disaster right now i am dying from how many emails i know people get really excited for announcements and stuff and for me i always get i mean i'm excited but i'm also a little bit sad because my email time just goes up like exponentially it is terrible but i'm going to catch up tonight i have not watched any of the announcements i saw a couple trailers uh but i know that you spent some time we're going to dive into that uh in just one second full but, uh, notebook full, full notebook. the full notebook yes we have lots of games to talk about on the show got a full slate and on top of that we are going to talk about those so i guess let's just jump into it um let's do some housekeeping as everyone knows we do share a house split down the middle by a strip of duct tape on your side i see tons of stuff piles dirty socks hampers Oof, upside down it's full that's an old sandwich over there that's gross dude yeah don't touch that i'm actually do gonna not, eat that later please i'm gonna eat that later throw that out on my side of the house i just have one quick thing which i will share with everybody right now and then we will turn it over to you um just as a quick heads up if there are anybody anybody out there probably not listening to this show but if you know of anybody who is interested in watching the xbox e3 bethesda presentation with american sign language there is a person doing that show none other than yours truly Ta-da. i will be featured globally internationally uh, for anybody in the world who would like to watch that show with American Sign Language, that will be me in that video feed. You will not see the feed if you just watch the regular program. There is a separate feed for people who want to see the ASL presentation. So if you want to see yours truly in action, doing my other gig, or you're just curious, or if you know somebody who is deaf and who needs the ASL interpreting, I am providing that, me, myself, and I, in conjunction with uh, Xbox. Three cheers to Xbox for providing that accessibility. So when that Xbox Bethesda presentation comes up, you can tune in and see me there. Heads up on that. And where's the link? Are you going to have the link early, or do we just have to wait for it? We will have to wait because everything is under a thick layer of nuclear-proof NDA. Nothing is ready to be shared right now. Um, I was in the studio i got to see all the things so i know everything but i can't say nothing because it's all oh, locked down tight. so basically on this show i'm gonna make you tell me everything ha ha i will say Ha-ha. literally not a word because microsoft's legal team would destroy me yeah they're out they're in your backyard just watching and they're waiting. watching me right now they are sitting three feet away from me whoa wait that's close that's yeah, a little that's weird they're not fucking around they're serious uh, so i'm not going to say anything except for the fact that i was there i will be doing the show and that is going to happen it's our boy doing the sign language here. Uh, what people should follow you on Twitter, though, and then they can get the link from you there. Yeah, for sure. If you do follow me on Twitter, uh, I'll give you the address at the end of the show. Um, I will tweet out that information once it is publicly available and once it's ready to go. Um, so I'll be giving a good push to that. I probably will maybe uh, pimp it on Instagram as well. 
uh, we'll try to get the word out there. I'm sure that Xbox, the accessibility team, will probably try to get the word out as well. So there will be some information. I don't know how much advance notice we'll get, uh, but as soon as I find out, you will find out. Uh, but don't wait to find out here on the show. Like, try to like catch me on social media because it's going to be kind of an in-the-moment sort of a thing. So Cool. All right, so there is that. That's all I've got on my side of the house, Carlos. Let's let's address your mess over here. Whew. What is all this pile? What it pile is. stuff over here? Pile stuff over there? There's what is going stuff. on, man? What is going on? I probably shit throughout that sandwich. Um, it's, it's really gnarly, dude. There's none of I that. I spent so much time making it. Okay, well, uh, first off, I'll just do the my full notebook of Summer Games Fest uh, notes that I took, and essentially, I just went through all the games that kind of caught my eye. Uh, a bunch of them did, and I even if some of the ones that I'm not like super excited about, I thought I'd tell you about. So let me hit that first. All right. And then I have a little bit of some E3 news and a couple other things. So first off, Summer Games Fest, very, very happy that it happened uh, last year. We needed it so badly during COVID. It was great. It brought us out of this kind of like funk for a little while and showed us like what we could look forward to. A lot of uh, games that were like available now, which was really fun. And so this one was a ton more games done up even a little bit more this time because COVID restrictions a little bit more chill now. So he had a, an actual studio and they had people come in and talk to him too, as well as virtual. And here are some of the games. So first off, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Have you heard about this? I heard about it, but I got to be straight up honest. I am not a big fan of Borderlands at all. So I kind of like, I no doubt of it. Well, what's interesting is they had Ashley Birch there, which, by the way, she's amazing on Mythic Quest, uh, which you should watch on Apple TV. But um, she, you know, voices the Tiny Tina. And so the whole game is a D&D type game. And it's like in her fantasy world. So it's right? not a Borderlands sequel? So it's or not spin-off? a Borderlands game at all. It, you don't have to even have played the games. Oh, it just okay. happens to be the fact that her world was so interesting, being like this little dungeon master kind of character, that it's all in that world. Oh, okay. I just saw the title and I'm like, I just don't give a fuck about Borderlands. So I didn't even watch it. But that sounds like it might be promising. Yeah. And it's it's their humor. And I've always enjoyed their humor and writing and stuff. So I'm actually looking forward to that. It's really interesting. You don't need to have played Borderlands. Um, one that I think you might be digging. I think you like the Metal Slug, but there's a Metal Slug Tactics game coming out. I heard about that. A couple people actually tweeted me to tell me that it existed because they knew I would probably be interested. So shout out to everybody who let me know about that. Uh, yes, I am interested in that. Yeah, that seems cool. Simple. I uh, had a really cool like anime style trailer. Uh, Hideo Kojima showed up, of course, because he has to every time he's, you know, Jeff Keighley and them are like in a bromance. I mean, what the fuck else is he going to do? Yeah, uh, but weirdly enough, he talked about like serious issues about how games need to change because of COVID, and then he brought up nine eleven, which is weird. Like, like you know, when nine eleven happened, we had to change the way we looked at the world. Sure, sure. Which is true, but it was just a really weird, somber talk from him. Hmm. And then he said, "Death Stranding director's cut." <laughs> and for real? Yeah, for real. That's it. And then I was like, "Director's cut means a thousand hours of gameplay." Like, I, I mean, don't not, I don't need that. Uh, you know, okay, so look, this is interesting because I, okay, despite the fact that the story of, of, of Death Stranding is flaming horseshit, I really like the gameplay a lot. I love the graphics, love the world. I just, I found the gameplay really gripping and fascinating. I just, and sometimes I even think about like, man, I would love to play more of that. Uh, but I don't want to start over from the beginning. And if there's a director's cut, I mean, I can only imagine that he's probably going to try to shoehorn some more cutscenes in, which for me were the worst part of the experience. But if there was right. more to do 
as long as I didn't have to start over from scratch, I think I'd be up for that. But I don't know that I want to play that from scratch. Oh, I definitely don't want to play that from scratch. No way. So I don't know what that's for. Also, they showed a weird cutscene of um, uh, what's his name, the main guy from Death Stranding. Norman Reedus? Yeah. Or whatever, Norm- whatever his Bridges, name is. Sam Bridges. Yeah, Bridges. He was like uh, doing some Metal Gear Solid like board. Like he, he found like a box and he was trying to hide in it. And that was just like a little cutscene they showed. And I was like, what does that mean? So I don't know what that is. Anyways. Anyway. Mo- moving on. Jeff Goldblum was talking about Jurassic Park 2. No one cares. I love Jeff Goldblum. But that reminds me of like the olden day game awards where they bring on a celebrity, you know, where he like doesn't even play the game or anything. He's just like, I am the talking head. He was the talking voice in the game. That's it. You know? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sable, there was this really great music performer that for some reason I didn't take notes on the name of it. Now I feel like an asshole, but um, the game Sable I've been waiting for, for a while. It's a beautiful, like um, hand drawn style looking game. Open world. Is that beautiful. where you're on the hover bike, like zooming through the desert? Is yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. That one looks amazing, and it kind of vanished for a while. I was wondering what happened to it. Well, they had the performer of one of the songs uh, doing a song from it, and it was an awesome song. Uh, the only note that I didn't take, unfortunately, uh, who the band was, the artist, but uh, that was really cool just to see. And I do like those performances if they make sense, you know? Sure. I think there was an sure. E3 where we had like a really good song from Red Dead Redemption or something, and I think it can be really cool to showcase those. Um, then Amazon had a lot of Amazon Prime gaming ads in it Ugh. for some reason. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, they talk about Call of, Duty, Call of Duty Season 4. I could care less. Don't care, don't care. Ryan Reynolds was there promoting Free Guy, which I really want to see. Uh, I know it's Ryan Reynolds. I know it's a celebrity, but Free Guy is a game I've been waiting for since I saw the trailer two years ago. A movie you're waiting for. It's a movie because he plays an NPC, and we've not had a movie like that. It'll be, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I saw that trailer a while ago and I was, we were actually going to rent it. I didn't realize when I saw it at the time that it wasn't out yet because it came mm. out in a series of trailers um, that were for movies that were already out. So oh, we're like, okay. okay, cool, cool, cool. We're going to go rent this. And then we're like, where is it? And then we looked it up and it's like, oh yeah, not done. Yeah. Weird. But okay, so finally pushed, coming pushed, out. It got yeah. pushed because of COVID, right? COVID, so sure. Um, and that might be far enough in advance that we, I could actually see it in the theater and feel comfortable. So that'd be really exciting for me. Uh, right. That'd be the first movie I probably have seen, you know. Uh, so he's just Shida was there talking about indie games, and he talked about Chicory, which is out now uh, for PS4 and PS5. Chicory is a painting game where you paint to help the character in the the levels. Oh, I've not seen that. So that's one of the okay. So that's one out now. How many out now were now. there? I think there was only two or something. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. Less than last year. Um, but then they also, something you would like, mention Salt and Sacrifice, which is no, the... No, no, no. Dislike. Strong Oh, wait. Dislike. You didn't like Salt and Sacrifice. No. Strong oh, dislike. Yeah. Okay. I did. I strong disliked it, too. So never mind. Uh, they showed Solar Ash, which is basically skating on big monsters. Yeah. It, it seems interesting. Um, they talked about new, a new publisher called Prime Matter. And they just... I can't tell you all the games, but they just show like, you know, 12 games they're publishing. And... It was just an interesting thing to show a publisher, you know, um, but they are like promoting a ton of new games. All right. Uh, Tales of Arise. It's a Tales game. I'll probably buy it. Planet of Lana, which was hand painted. Boy and his little, little pet meet robots. Uh, Overwatch 2 characters don't care. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, which we mentioned on the show. They showed yes. a little bit of that. And it really does seem like it's multiplayer focused. So I probably will not play it. <laughs> I was just about to say something, and I'm like, wait a minute. 
I actually can't say that yet. Never mind. Oh, never mind. I almost got you. You almost, almost got me, got you. but never well, you mind. You know what? You know what? I'm so good. I'm such a sleuth. <laughs> and, Brad, and Brad did not say anything. I did not say listen. anything. Microsoft Boy, Cops. I, I was so close right there. Microsoft wow. Cops. Listen, hold on. You're listening, right? I know they're you are. They're looking at They're giving me the stink eye okay. right now, dude. I'm saying this of my own, what do you call it? Um, your own volition, your own Volition. Role. I'm saying it's only volition. You're, what you meant to say, but you didn't say, is that Dungeons and Dragons game has a single player campaign? Thank you. I, I said nothing of the kind. I, I I announced it here first. Carlos Rodella broke NDA that he didn't even have. <laughs> um, move on, move on. Monster Hunter stories. They showed a little bit of that. Oh, I'm down for that for sure. Which of course you'll be into. Uh, this is cool. Like a, another song, uh, kind of song break was Weezer, and I kind of always enjoy them. I've loved the Blue Album, and I don't know. I just can't really go wrong with them. They're fun, and they were playing their song with the the new game wave break that's coming out like in the background oh okay and it was kind of a fun you know like hey here's a new game and we're also singing a song and i think they were like featured in the game or something didn't something happen with weezer recently because i feel like i was watching social media and then all of a sudden it was like weezer became all of a sudden not good like did something happen know. with them they some were political they became thing, boring oh i don't know about that no it was like some kind of a Something real bad, like bad behavior. Oh, kind of thing I don't know. Something. I didn't. I'm not. Uh, I don't know about that. Okay. I just always think of them as the blue album, and that's it. And then I go, um, "That's the best album." So moving on, two more things or three. The actor Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. He is going to be one of the main guys in Far Cry Six. So they showed Far Cry Six. They talked to him, and you know, it just got me more excited. I mean, of course, I'm going to buy it. They showed Evil Dead, which was basically Friday the 13th, but with Evil Dead. I just watched the trailer for that a second ago. It looks pretty cool. Ash looks pretty cool walking around. Uh, you get to see him in third person. They've got the Evil Dead woods. Yeah, it looks pretty fun. I was actually just telling the wife uh, that maybe we should try that one when it comes out. For multiplayer, yeah. I mean, that the, that world that you know that Bruce Campbell and what's his butt, Sam Raimi uh, yeah. created is awesome. Fun. And last but not least, they finally showed the Elden Ring trailer. Yeah, yeah. I, that was the other one that I watched. A bunch of people tweeted me to tell me that the trailer was out. So thank you to everybody who hipped me to that. I really appreciate everybody keeping me in the loop. Yes, yes, yes. So I watched that. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was watching the show. Oh, okay. So you watched the whole thing. Um, and yeah, and Jeff was really excited about it. And I mean, it, they showed a lot of gameplay. It all looked pretty done. It said January. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much done. And I might jump in just because Georgia R.R. Martin is involved. No, don't jump into that. Hold dude. on. Hold on. Someone was speculating <laughs> that because they're creating more of a world and not just a one off game, that's mm-hmm. what the that's what they're talking about. Sure. And George R.R. Martin's in it, meaning like as in he's got writing and lore. There might be more story. There might be more I don't know, an easier entry, point of entry nah, for new players? You're fooling yourself, buddy. Okay. You're fooling yourself. Never mind. Setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh, that's my quick uh, notebook. A couple more notes from uh, just in general. Day of the Devs, like I said, yeah. showed off a lot of really cool games. I won't go into all of them or any of them really right now, but just definitely check out that stream because the Day of the Devs sometimes doesn't get the like attention, but it's there's so many good stuff in there. Um, so go check that out. E3 is happening. Uh, it'll be happening, you know, right after you listen to this episode, uh, virtually. So make sure you, if you haven't registered, I think you have to register to see some of the stuff. Uh, or do you just see all of it? I don't know. I have no idea. But I mean, to me, it's a little bit silly to register because 
all you have to do is just like read the articles and click on the YouTube links and stuff. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's weird to me that you want to, they want to register. Like there's like a press registry and I'm like, well, who yeah, cares? that would like, make any sense. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense. But anyway, yes. next year it will. But uh, for everybody else, just go, yeah, go to the internet and, and type E3, you know, watch, watch it. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Again, it's a fun time, fun time for uh, game people. And then also a couple other notes that are not uh, that kind of related to game shows. Far Cry 5, I found out they had an arcade mode where you can make your own levels. I did hear about that a while ago, yes. And someone just said that someone made GoldenEye in it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So like that, like put that back in the radar. I bought it, so I'm just going to re-download it. Which one and... is Far Cry 5? Is that the one that was the... I, I get them all confused. That was the one that had the... Uh, the the survivalist weirdo yeah. preacher yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it, it like went to the there was that extra uh, section. Was it? Oh my guess was it DLC or was it a whole other game where they continued the story? I that was a, it was a separate game, but people said it should have been DLC. Right. Anyways, I played all of them. I have that one. I own it. So if you have it and you've like deleted it, like I have, maybe re-download it and go check out the arcade mode. There you go. Uh, last but not least. I am very excited to say that as of uh, right after this recording, probably I'll be playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Because I've heard so many good things. I am very, very lucky to have a PS5. Um, and I, it does a lot of great stuff with the controller, they said. And just in general, like I've been, you know, tearing through the Mass Effect games, which I'll talk about later in the show. And they're pretty heavy duty stuff, you know, story wise. And people dying and, like, you know, parents killing their siblings and all sorts of madness. <laughs> and um, and I just want something light and easy. And it, it just looks like a, a treat, you know, a real big treat. So I'm really excited to start that. Yeah, it looks good. I will probably not buy. Isn't it coming out for 70 bucks? What is it retailing for? Do you know? I've already bought it. So is I it don't 70 know. bucks? Oh, you don't know? Maybe. Yes. Here's, I just push the button, man. Just push the button. Okay. I just push. It goes. It goes. Cost your games available. I go. All right. Push the button. There you go. I I am definitely interested. I know my wife is interested. Um, but we've only got one PS5 in the house. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of which, just a really quick shout or a, a just a note, I guess. Um, still curious about Returnal. I know you started off really hot on it, and then you cooled Oof. off real quick. Um, Oof. but it's getting sent to me from GameFly. I was not going to drop seventy bones on it. I've been watching it. And it has not gone on sale at any point, which is kind of weird to me, but whatever, fine. Um, so I will just play it for free then, and I'll play it from Gamefly, yeah. and we'll see how that goes. Because I am not convinced it's worth 70 bones to me, but I am still interested because it checks some of my boxes. Uh, not all of them, but I don't have a lot of um, vibing with that particular developer. With Housemark, I'm not super keen on many of their other games, so I'm kind of expecting the same thing to happen, but we shall see. I will I will bring it to the show in a future episode. Yeah, when you bring it to the show, I'll like jump back in for a second to see if they like patched anything to make it, I don't know, easier. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't and, been six months yet, though, so I think I'm, I may be coming to it too soon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Your yeah. little rule. It's true. Uh, my house is clean. I'm going to uh, throw away the sandwich. I've decided. You must. And, and then must. we're done. Excellent. Thank you very much for taking those notes and bringing us all that wonderful information. I'm sure we are going to be uh, having lots of updates in the next week or so, or however long it takes to get through the E3 madness. Just yeah, tons our and next tons of episode is going to be full of E3 I'm stuff. I'm sure. I yeah. am sure. I am sure. Okay, cool. Let's move on to the main section of the show. 
Uh, let's just keep it with you really quickly here, Carlos. You, a minute ago, said you wanted to check in on Mass Effect. Now, we have talked about this a couple times. I'm guessing you want to do like a little where is Carlos now in the universe sort of a thing? Yeah, this will be a super quick one, and it's a good time to do it because we just talked about, um, you know, the heavy-duty stories and the side quests that we love. We love. We do. Bioware, we love your side quest. So I'll give you a little update on where I'm at. Um, full disclosure, as you all often say, uh, I have this uh, back pain thing going on to get real for a second. Wow, that got really real. I know. It's like I pinched a nerve or something. It's real, real, real bad. Anyways, Did that happen while you were playing Mass Effect? No. Well, maybe. Uh, probably not. So you engrossed in what happened, you're like, oh, Rex, I'm going to lose Rex. <laughs> no, ah, no, no, my no, back. No. no. It's like an overtime kind of thing that just kind of, it's depressing. You're so old. I yes. bring it up because I've been uh, on some meds, uh, and some of the meds are like a muscle relaxer. And that can sometimes just, you know, make me space out <laughs> and maybe not be or like uh, know where I'm, I'm at. Did you finish the game and didn't realize you even finished the game? No, that'd be a funnier story. But um, before. I give you that knowledge because I've already been kind of confused by Mass Effect 3. Like, I am pretty far in the game, like 20, 12, 13 hours in. Yes. You see where this is going. I'm very curious to see where this is going, yes. So before the muscle relaxers came into play, I was like just regular Stone Cold Sober Carlos. Like, you look at the list of missions, and they're all on the same list. I don't know if you remember this. But they're not like side quests on one tab. It's like everything's on one tab. Okay. I don't remember which, that, but yeah. Which is ahead. confusing as shit, right? And then there's little words next to them like priority, which means probably the main campaign. Sure. But for the longest time, there's no priority one. So you just go, I don't even know which one to do. So there's so many things that I don't like about the interface and the way you play Mass Effect 3 that right now, even if I finish it and there's a fun ending, Mass Effect 1 is my favorite. Hmm. Like, like easily. Because 2 got answered the ammo thing. And again, the kind of group upgrades, it didn't really feel right. And 3 is even more of that. Like, it's so crammed into, like, this different style of game almost. And I think that that could have been some of the reason why people didn't like it when it came out. Like, they think it was the ending. But it might have been the sum of all its parts, in my opinion. Because I'm having a kind of a difficult time with it. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but let me get to the muscle relaxer part. So I was like confused, like where to go. And I would just be like playing it till late and drifting off anyhow. You know, like, I don't know, what am I doing? And so I one night I did that kind of thing where I was on the muscle relaxer, but also confused. And I just kept falling to sleep. <laughs> and then like waking up and like, you know, I'm in another area and people are attacking me. So I, lo I lost like Are you like waking swaths. up like mid-battle, like you're under fire? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and they're like, your teammates are dead. Your teammates are dead. Revive Wake up, god damn it. Wake up. What is he doing? What's, she what's Shepard doing? Why is he sleeping? So not only did I sleep some of Mass Effect 3 away, but also I did even before the muscle relaxers. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. That you fell asleep? No, in 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 the game. Oh, itself. Just, okay. Sorry, I was like, I was, oh jeez, I was trying to connect that to the muscle relaxers. Like, Should you have taken one more? No, Would no, that no. have helped or what the are thing, we? <laughs> the thing is, it's accentuating gotcha. the issue. Okay, right? gotcha. Sorry, it's I, like it didn't now, yes. it didn't help any that I was on those, you know, that night. But yes. I, be, even before that, I'd just been feeling lost. Uh, there's so many side missions that are so all encompassing. 
that, is that you is that because the DLC is now integrated into the experience? Is that that's why a good so many? point? I don't know because I never played it the first time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Right, and you would probably point. You'd be able to find those. To me, they're just a list, you know. And yeah. so I am just like drowning in and and things to do. And every time I do one, it's really cool, but it's so much. And then I go. What about the main story, though? The Reapers, you know, like... Well, see, that's the thing, though, right? Is because, I mean, like, let's hop in the time machine and go back to when Mass Effect 3 came out. I mean, yeah, there are definitely differences and all that stuff. But, I mean, the thing about Mass Effect 3 that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and maybe and maybe what is affecting you right now, is that I know that there's all that kerfuffle about the actual ending, right? Like, and all that drama. I mean, for me, personally, I was fine with it. I know a lot of people are not fine with it. There was the fan pushback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But... One of the reasons that that I was not affected by the actual ending or why I thought it was fine was because Mass Effect 3 is basically 30 hours of wrap up. It is like literally every Mm. side quest, every storyline, every character that has ever been in Mass Effect 1 and 2 gets at least a couple minutes of screen time and they wrap up literally every fucking thing. So probably what you're seeing is like literally every quest the conclusion to. So there's tons of stuff for them to get to. And by the time you're about to go to the final mission, if you have done all of those quests, you have seen the conclusion of every fucking storyline. So to me, it was like I got the ultimate wrap up and then a little bit of ending uh, past that. But a lot of people were focused too much on the ending. But I wonder if that's what you're seeing now is like this overload of stuff because there's so many storylines to wrap up. That's that's exactly what it is. And that's interesting. And I'm glad you like at least like uh, explained it to me because that is what I'm experiencing. But the problem is. Like for me, when you have an adventure game and an RPG-ish type game, I want to focus on the campaign and I want to have fun side adventures, but the campaign should be the first and foremost thing, I, th- I think, in my the ways that I play games. And in one and two, they pretty much were. Like two is pretty focused, you know? And when you do the side missions, you're like, I'm doing this because I want to. But because it's such a smorgasbord, smorgasbord of, of uh, <laughs> missions... Yes, yes. I, I just feel lost. I feel like they, they kind of lose their weight. And I just I don't like it. I don't I like mean, it. I think it's definitely a product of its time, right? Because at that time, everybody was so hungry for Mass Effect. Everybody wanted to see where it was going to go. Everybody was desperate for the ending. And on top of that, you know, Bioware knew that their throats were going to get slit if they didn't give everybody, you know, exactly an ending that they wanted, which is ironic because I think they did give everybody what they wanted. They just put it right before the ending. Like if they had right. saved some of that stuff after the quote unquote actual ending, people wouldn't have bitched about it. But, you know, they gave it to you in the middle of the campaign. Um, so that was a little bit weird. But but at the time, that was what everybody wanted. Everybody was, you know, ready to go gun in for them if they didn't wrap up all these storylines. And that's exactly what they did. So I think that maybe in that context, what they did makes sense. But now, all these years later, you know, maybe you're not. You're not dying for the answers to all that. Like like you said, you are more focused on the main story, which, I mean, right. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Which the beginning is so good in that game. Yeah. The beginning of Mass Effect, I won't explore, spoil anything, but it's just so intense and movie-like. Yeah. And then they jump to, like, again, a thousand missions. So, right. yep, I think that's exactly it. And um, ironically, I, I guess kind of ironically, is that, you know, you have all these people asking for stuff, but you don't have to really give everybody what they want, you know? No, yeah. Um, there's no really irony in it at all. It's just I think that you can overdo it, and that's what this feels like. It's like fan service to the you know nth degree. Oh so, yeah. So yeah. Anyways, I, I have to finish it, so I will. I'm probably like six, seven hours away from the ending. 
Uh, I'm going to play Ratchet and Clank first, and I'm just probably going to beat that. And then I'll come back to it and finish it. But yeah, that's where I'm at. And the must relaxers did not help. Did not help. Well, I guess take one more, I guess, and see what happens. Okay. Or don't do that at all. Don't exceed your recommended dosage. I won't. I won't. (laughs) Prescriptions are there for a reason, folks. Uh, Okay, cool. Uh, Let me take over for a minute here. I got a couple of quick mentions. Uh, First one. Is a little bit of an odd duck. Uh, it's Kowloon High School Chronicle playing it on the Switch. This is an odd one because it is actually not available in North America. It is only a European title. You have to you have to have access to the European store in order to play it. Wait, so, how did you get it, Brad Galloway? Well, I don't know, but I guess people can make a guess. I'm not saying here on the podcast, but. There are many ways that anybody with a Switch can access the European store, even the Japanese store, for that matter. We will not discuss those here on the we show. We will not. But, okay. But it's easy to do for anybody who has Google, and I think probably most people listening probably do. So if you like what I'm about to say, track it down on the European store because it is not available in America. Okay. Uh, so basically, Kowloon High School Chronicle, I didn't realize this at first, but it is actually a re-release of a, I believe it's from 2004. So definitely feeling its age a little bit. It's a first-person dungeon crawler, not a roguelike. It has a little bit of similarity to something like um, Etrian Odyssey a little bit, like, you know, first-person mm. grid-based dungeons going through. Uh, but it also has a fair bit of persona in it because you are at a high school. You have to make friends with fellow students. And there is a, I guess, a, it's, it's kind of a weird meter thing. I feel like I've seen it before somewhere, but I can't put my finger on it. But basically, every time you talk to a character, you have like four choices. Like up is like happy, down is sad, left is angry, and like right is neutral or something like that. So every time somebody says something to you, you can respond back in any of those different ways. And that will affect your relationship with them like you'll become buddies or maybe they will grow to dislike you and you know you can take a couple people with you on a party when you go into this mysterious dungeon which just happens to be located underneath the high school so there's a pretty good chunk of like persona feel to it with like the high school stuff going on uh there's also a pretty good chunk of visual novel stuff going on because there's a lot of talking if you like the talking and then there's some a little bit of a you know dungeon crawler first person stuff when you actually go in there the character designs are pretty interesting. The enemies are like a mix. I think someone described them as a mix of between Egyptian and body horror, which I feel like is a pretty good description. <laughs> weird. Um, it is. It is pretty weird. Uh, the graphics are definitely a little dated, and I mean everything about the game feels a little bit dated. And to be honest, um, I believe it was from PS4, but it could have passed for like a 3DS game. I think like it feels like something that would have been on the 3ds right like they didn't upgrade any of the graphics then i'm looking at the pictures it looks like it's from the olden days yeah it does yeah it's just a port it looks like a port i don't know that they've tweaked it or anything like that it seems like pretty much the same kind of thing that you would have gotten if you had bought this off the shelf in europe in 2004 so this is a thing it's really interesting i think the thing um that will be uh, most notable about it is that people who like persona or those kind of games, or who like visual novels, may want to check this out, because this is kind of like a proto-Persona. It's not from the same developers or anything, but I think it was kind of happening at the same time Persona was kind of happening. I think these are kind of concurrently developed, and so you might see a little bit of influence from one on the other, or anybody who's interested in like where these games come from, this would be a pretty good archive project like to get this and just like go through it and see, oh, you know, this is like the system that somebody would use later on or like oh i can see how they use characters here and this influenced something later on so it's a little bit of a rough play i'm not gonna lie like uh i don't think i'll finish it because it's it's a little bit of rough but i think it's really interesting from like a design perspective 
And especially when you consider like the time period and like what Persona was doing at that time. So if you're a fan of that kind of thing, if you like the retro, if you like to see where those influences come from, um, I think it's pretty interesting from that perspective. Uh, so again, Kowloon High School Chronicle, and I believe it actually went on to spawn like five sequels or something like that. Whoa. So I guess it was pretty popular in Asia. Anyway, like I said, not available in North America. You will have to somehow figure out how to get to the European uh, eShop. Uh, uh, I'm getting something. Hold on. I'm getting something in my earpiece, which I, I have. And it's news that it's available in the U.S. now. Is it really? I'm looking at the webpage. It says Nintendo.com, not Nintendo.com slash EU. And it says games, and it says now available in North America, I think. Interesting, because I just talked to the PR person last week. They said there was no plans, but maybe they just weren't allowed to talk about it. Maybe it is out in North America. It might be. I think, I mean, I'm looking at the page, and it doesn't look like it's a European page. It's just regular-ass Nintendo.com. Well, I guess check it out on the North American eShop. And if it's not there, it's definitely in the European eShop. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but it's very easy. If you've got Google, it takes you five seconds. So you didn't right. hear that from me. Well, and you might not have had to hear it from you because it might be out right now. There you go. There you go. And also, just, just out of curiosity, I think it's really fun to go into the other eShops because right. like, the variety is kind of crazy. Sometimes you'll see some shit in there. You're like, wow what is this like what is this and what, there's like a whole world of other games that we never see here in america oh and vice versa of course by the way so. just so you know that a quick tangent that was yeah. my whole growing up is i would buy the japanese famicom magazines and was it new type well that was the oh yeah anime and models and stuff but yeah. there's a bunch of stuff that i would buy just to like get a glimpse of you know mario lost levels or some whatever weird thing that was never going to come out here that shit was torture because you would see it and it would never come out here man it would never especially with my turbo graphics you know me oh man yeah the pc engine had so many games compared to what we had over here in the u.s for the totally, turbo totally and they had like rpgs that were never going to come over because the translation no one was ever going to translate that no they, there yeah. was by the way remember how we talk about how i love modern or RPG set in modern times. Yeah. There was so many like that on the PC Engine. Oh, really? There was this whole series. I can't remember what it's called, but it was just like, you know, regular ass life, like walking around like regular houses and towns, but like it was an RPG. And it was like one of their most successful RPGs on PC Engine, and I would never get it. So, oh, man. Those, I remember doing that exact same thing. You know, I would go to game stores, I go to import stores, and it was the most exquisite torture to see something that looked so fucking awesome in a magazine. And you're like, you're never going to get that. Yeah. Like somebody yeah. dangling a snake in front of a starving man and you just are never going to get a bite. And it just was, Oh, it's the worst. Dude, the so opposite of like, there was a PC engine, like game magazine, right. In J Japanese. Mm -hmm. And I would get that. And, um, and then I, what we got in the U S was like a little, little in insert in the EGM that was like called turbo play. Yeah. And it was like a pretend fake magazine. And they actually had, Turbo Graphics magazines that I did get, I remember, but they were always like super thin because there's like hardly anything in there. Yeah, I mean, and the assault like, base was like a joke, so there wasn't much. Ugh. There wasn't. Hey, much don't call it. us a joke. We were. I army. mean, I was right with you, dude. I still got mine. I loved it as much as you did, but it was. I mean, we just it just did not thrive here, man. I know. Anyways, tangent. Anyway, on. all right, one more game to give a shout out to. Uh, just hit the switch. I believe it was last week, so still pretty much brand new. It's called Astalon. Tears of the Earth. It is a 2D pixel-based... I guess Metroidvania would be the most accurate way to describe it, although it's not strictly like a Metroidvania in the sense that you get more and more powers, although you do. It's kind of like one of those games where you're in a big map, and there's lots of locked doors, and sometimes you go one way and you find a key, then you go back to that locked door you saw a while ago, and then that opens up a new door, and then at the end of that door, there's like another key, and that takes you back the other way. 
pretty big map, uh, pretty complicated, pretty dense. And the hook to Astalon is that you have three characters. They are kind of color-coded. You have a blue swordsman. You have a red... I guess she's like a rogue. She's got a uh, bow and she does like a little double jump. And then you've got a yellowish, orangey magic user dude. And you can switch between them at any point as long as you get back to a bonfire or, or campfire, I guess. Um, so like as you go throughout the levels, there will be just like little campfires scattered around. Get to a campfire, you can switch between whoever you like. And then, you know, whoever seems most appropriate for that particular area, uh, just go for it. And everybody has their own specialty, right? Like the magic user can activate certain gates. The guy with the sword is real good at attack, and he can do a couple things. Uh, the girl can double jump, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of go through this really dense, really large map, kind of going back and forth, trying to unravel puzzles, fighting bosses. Enemy density feels a little bit thick to me. Um, I feel like I'm doing maybe a little bit too much battling, and people respawn when you, like, go back and go oh, back into the room, you I know? Oh, I hate that so much. It's pretty old school in that sense, where, like, you clear out a room, you move one screen right, you come back to the left Fuck screen, and everybody's that. back. So Ugh. it's a little bit rough, but then again, you do need like the XP and you know the stuff that you earn to level up. Um, so it's it's pretty thick. It feels pretty dense. Um, I kind of like it, but I feel like it's much larger and more intricate than I thought it was going to be when I started it. And I don't know that I want to take on a project this big but if you like those kind of games if that sounds interesting to you you like your metroidvania ish type of games you like your 2d platformers uh you know that kind of stuff this is a pretty good one of those if you were in the mood for that so um and it looks like mega man in castlevania yeah that's a the pretty good style. description yeah it's a pretty good pretty good description so there you go uh astalon tears of the earth basically brand new on the switch available right now there you and go. a demo oh saw. is there a demo i yep, didn't realize yep. that okay so you don't then. have to let you don't have to put the money down even better i love when you got that demo so great stuff there okay cool carlos turning it back over to you for a little game called Metopia. oh yeah this this uh caught me by surprise i had been on my radar for a while and i'd forgotten about it and then they uh, dropped a demo i think a week ago and the demo is uh, a really good way to get people to want to play this game uh, it's a very like you know long demo, and it feels like uh, what's great is the save data is it carried over, so it just feels like you're starting the game, right? Cool, cool. And like if you like it, then cool, you, all your data is saved, and I you love can when just that keep happens. going. Yeah, smart, super smart. So what Metopia is is essentially you know it's kind of focused on you having friends on your Switch, which I don't really. <laughs> um, I have like a friend, and I have my mom and my brother, so I don't really play multiplayer. You know that. But uh, the idea is it's an RPG-ish type game where there's actual turn-based RPG combat with spells and all the things you see in an RPG. Very friendly. It's very, you know, you're using your me, a me you either have or have to create a Which is one. weird because the Switch doesn't really emphasize those at all. It's kind no, of like this weird carryover from the 3DS. You know why? It's so, it's so weird to me, too, because when I started it, I didn't have a me. Oh, you did you have to make one yeah. from scratch? Yeah, I like literally forgot. Like I like you said, I just didn't make one on my new Switch. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I made one. It looked good, and I put Hood put him in there. And I was visiting my mom when I got the demo, and I she has a Switch. She loves Animal Crossing. Oh, she yeah. <laughs> I did so really I had have a her. Switch. Okay, cool. I had her try it, and you know what she can do is in the game, 
the, there's a big ma- bad monster and he gets rid of people's faces. Like that's a big thing he does. And then what happens is you can assign different faces uh, of the people that you know that are on your friends for your Switch to the characters in the game. Which another game I think has done something like that, right? What was the other one where you're, all your friends are in like kind of a, a story game? I mean, there's a couple of those. They were all in the 3DS though. Like I feel like they were all. That was 3DS? That, kind of that wasn't Switch? No, I don't think it was this one. Okay. No, I feel like that was all. I mean, that was like, that was kind of the whole thing with the Miis, right? Like all those games, like the um, the games that came from directly from Nintendo that were like the, the Mii specific games. There was like a whole like eight or 12 of them that were like a suite and they all integrated all your friends. I mean, that's one right. of them. Right. Okay. And there's, there was a couple like that. It's going to bother me what that one was though. There was one that's a really funny one. And remember like, um, like all these famous people, like Reggie was doing a commercial with him. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And oh, yeah, well. that was definitely that was definitely three. Yes. Okay, so this is the first one on on Switch then that's doing that style, right? And so, in the beginning, when you're meeting characters, they go, "Hey, do you want to sign this character to somebody?" And of course, me, I have like three people on my list. So I was like, I already used them all up. <laughs> so <laughs> so no. So then, if you don't have a, a friend on your list or whatever, you could just make a new character's face. Right. Okay. So I did that for most of my characters. Weirdly enough, like I put um, one of the ladies in the town, like an older woman was my mom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's always there to like check in on me, I guess. Uh, anywho, the, the main combat and the gameplay is really interesting. It opened up a lot more than I thought it would. Um, what you do is you, you get these characters you meet, uh, you create a party up to four people. It starts off and you just have one and then you have two and you have three, et cetera, when you meet them. And then when you uh, go through these little, like an overworld map, on each little dot, you stop and like kind of run along for a while until a, uh, an encounter happens, right? And the encounters could be a bad guy, or it could be like you find an item or a chest or something, so that just you don't know what you're going to get. And all the times on these little points on the board, after you do a few different encounters, you find an inn. And when you get to the inn, it's kind of like your save point, and you can do different things with your characters. So it's such a really fun loop that I didn't see in any of the, the marketing material, but it just makes it really, really addictive kind of gameplay. This sounds very much like the the Street Pass games, is what they were called on 3DS. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And is one of I mean, one of those was like this exact thing, right? It was was it called like Find Me or something like that, where it was an RPG, it was turn based. You did use your friends, and it was I mean, pretty small in scope. This definitely sounds like a much larger, more intricate thing, but it sounds like just uh, like an expansion of that thing. I, I feel like it was called Find Me, Save Me, something like that. But I Find remember putting me in quite a bit RPG. of time on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like bringing it up on, on, the, on the internet here. Um, it was like that. But this is obviously, oh, well, obviously with better graphics. Right, and, right, right. Bigger, uh, oh, better, more. Find sure. Me sucked. Okay, now I'm looking at it. I was <laughs> ma- I got mad at Find Me because it's like that puzzle pieces. Yes, and yes, yes. I like what they were trying. This is the fully realized version of that. Okay. Um, I mean, and the other cool thing is in the inn, you have different characters. And so I made like a woman character who's like a thief. And like, I don't know, I just thought I maybe would like, uh, you know, I don't want to say romance because it's a Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. But it kind of is because all of a sudden you can put different characters in in the same room together when you go to sleep at night. And so I put the lady character in the room with Carlos, me. I am I am shocked and appalled. Hold on. And the game has this little heart meter that fills up when your characters are together like that. Oh my god. And then they do enough things together and missions and stuff, they can like gain new skills. 
So it really is fostering friendship. Let's just call it friendship. Quote, unquote, friendship. Or if it's, you know, someone you might like, maybe it's more than that. Friendship with benefitship. And what's even interesting-er, which is not a word, is when you're in that inn and you're doing things like buying items and checking, you know, you eat food that gives you health stats and stuff. Sure, sure. Um, you can go on outings, like fishing and shit. Hmm. You can, like, take a character and you go, this character and this character are going to go on an outing. And when they do, again, it's all based on, like, upgrading your, like, uh, affinity to each other. And so I have, like, a, a guy that's kind of like a Native American warrior, and then I have, like, a tall elf, like, wizard kind of character, mm. and they're, like, getting along really well, you know? And then me and my lady thief friend, you know, we're getting along real well. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Okay. I just made it awkward. But that is a part that I didn't even see coming in this game. Uh, and this game is a treat. I'm telling you, it came out of nowhere. It's super addictive. I'm totally going to buy it. Like, the demo sells it. Okay. Um, if you want something relaxing, it's better than Find Me. It's like an RPG that you can... I mean, hell, if you have a ton of friends, I'm sure it'd be even more fun. Probably because so. Because all yeah. of them will be characters in the game that you get to save or talk to. Uh, what a really unique, interesting game. I love 9 out of 10. <laughs> For the demo. <laughs> Which I don't even do scores. Uh, but you did just now. So, okay, that's a pretty that's pretty high praise. Um, I saw it. And it did it did remind me of the Street Pass stuff back day, it, it, which I was actually a pretty big fan of, to be honest with you. I had a pretty good time Street Passing and doing all those mini games. I think ultimately there was like twelve or sixteen Street Pass games, which were pretty cool. So this seems this seems fun. I don't know that I'm in the mood for an RPG, but I'll I will definitely download the demo and at least give it a shot. And again, I want to uh, really really focus here. It's not a hardcore RPG at all. Right, it's, right, right. The idea why I like this game so much, and it's nine out of ten for me. Uh, it's just a great thing for a switch to talk about pick up and play right like that's what the that's what i like most on the switch is i don't really want to get into a huge epic story uh and i don't think you do either lots of times we want to like have some fun levels and whatever and this one's interesting because it has this whole bonding mechanic with characters and seeing like different moves they do because they're like have a high affinity for each other uh it's just really fun and inventive and simple excellent excellent yeah there is definitely a place in my heart for uh, light, airy, fun, pick up and play. Usually yep. that place is in bed before I fall asleep. And that is, sounds like a good fit for that. So maybe yep, I will check totally. it out for that. All right. That is Metopia. And like you said, there is a demo and the demo does carry your progress over, which is awesome. Love when it does that. Awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on. Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Stormground. Another um, Warhammer game. Another War. What was the other one we talked about? All of them? All of them? There are many. There we are have talked about many. every Warhammer game that's ever come out on this podcast. It's weird, man, because I don't actually play Warhammer in real life, but I am very familiar with like the property, you know, the IP, the concepts. I think I've yeah. played literally every video game, except for the mobile ones uh, that have come out. I mean, I, I at least try them, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar. This is another one, and it's funny because Games Workshop, as everybody knows, uh, is real loosey-goosey with who they will license to. They will license to anybody if they've got the 50 bucks and a sandwich that it takes to get a license <laughs> not my sandwich uh, not that house. sandwich no, no, no. no it's got to be a fresh one uh so there's some real hot garbage out there that has the warhammer logo on it and there's some really really good games 
Uh, it's really a crapshoot every time you play one of these, whether it's going to be one of the good ones or one of the shit ones. Uh, this is one of the good ones. I think this is a good one for me. This Ooh, is... hold on. Just so you know, we got a difference of opinion. All right. Cha-chong. We'll get there. We'll get there. So what is this game? Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Stormground. I'm not specifically familiar with the Age of Sigmar, uh, I don't know, lore or, you know, time period. But this is Warhammer. It's not 40K. I actually do prefer 40K. But Warhammer, this is the fantasy stuff. So we're talking orcs and ghosts and goblins and that kind of stuff. Uh, Still okay. Still cool. But I prefer the 40K stuff. Anyway, uh, Age of Sigmar seems to be kind of a new IP that is launching several games. And this one is specifically Stormground. It is a uh, turn-based tactics game which also has a fair amount of roguelike thrown into it, which I did not know coming into it. I was actually pretty surprised by that. Yes, um, it does. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> roguelike aspect caught me by surprise, which was okay because, you know me, I missed Mr. a roguelike. roguelike. Yeah, I did not expect that coming into it. So you start off the game, there's three campaigns, but only one is unlocked at the beginning. You take the, uh, you know, I don't even know what they're even called, like the, the storm people, the human-looking people with all the gold armor and such. Um and you play as one of the heroes, and there's some supporting troops. There's, like, archers, there's shield men, there's a guy that rides, like, a, I don't know, like a griffin tiger or something. There's, a you know, a range of a range of characters. I'm sure the Warhammer uh, fans are, like, screaming at their podcast. Oh, right yeah. Now, being there's like, how so can you much, not know? There's how so you much lore in yeah, this world is, that we don't is. know, you know. And, in fact, some of the pickups are just lore. So that was, yeah. like, a little bit too much for me. Uh, but, basically, you take your, your character... Uh, you play through a level, you unlock these uh, extra classes that come with you. You can have, I think, up to four troops go with you at a time for a total of five uh, troops on the board at any one time. And you mix and match as you wish or as you find them. And you fight, uh, you know, these bad guys. I think when I was playing the human campaign, you fight the ghosts in this area. And the thing that's interesting, I mean, I think that the tactic system is actually pretty good in this. I play a lot of tactics games. It's kind of like an XCOM style, something like that. And I think it's it's pretty nice. There's uh, a time limitation on how you can summon your guys. Like, you can't hit the field with all your guys at once. Like, it's usually just you at first. And then you can summon in, like, one guy. And then another turn goes by, you summon, like, another guy. So it's kind of this slow buildup. And each uh, faction has their own quirks to them. So uh, the, the good guys, the human guys, cannot heal, which is interesting. Uh, but they have some really good support powers and stuff like that. So you've got to really like take a look at your troops and see what their strengths are and kind of um, you know strategize appropriately. I went through the campaign and I just I ended up really liking it. Um, the problem, not really problem, not a problem, but like a a twist, like the roguelike element, which I wasn't expecting, is as you go through the game, when you start out, you're going to be probably pretty weak, and you're probably not going to make it too far. So you die, and after you die. Um, I believe you keep your experience in the characters and you can keep some of the stuff that you earned. Like, for example, if you earned four troops, you'll be able to keep, I think, a couple of them at least. So you won't start with nothing. And if you get better weapons, you'll keep those things. But it kind of does send you back to the beginning to start back from square one. Really surprised the first time that happened. Um, Did not see that coming. But it was okay. Like, it wasn't devastating. Like, it wasn't a complete restart like it is with a pure roguelike. Uh, But they definitely want you to kind of play a couple rounds unlock some treasures, unlock some troops, build your strength up a little bit. And for me, by the time I had gone through maybe three or four failed runs, I think that by the fifth time I was able to get it done with the human troops. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Got to the end of that campaign. 
There's uh, two more difficulty levels after the starting level. And then you also unlock the two other factions. One of them are a group of ghosts. And the other one are, uh, I don't know, like the maggot kin of Nurgle or something like that. They're like one of the rot, the rot lords troops. Um, so overall, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I think the, the tactics engine is really solid. I think the, um, the, the way that it plays out is good. I think the roguelike elements are pretty good. I maybe would have been fine if there was no roguelike at all, but I yeah. think that for what it is, is okay. Um, I have a couple complaints about it, but Carlos, what did you think of it just overall? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not Mr. Roguelike, and you are Mr. Roguelike, so I run away from them screaming, and you run at them screaming. Uh, you're screaming, yes, yes. And I you're like screaming, it. no, yes. yes <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I do like the art style. I like Warhammer games in general. I like the kind of, you know, over-the-top lore. I don't understand all of it, you know, and this could pretty much be called Warhammer Age of Lore. Because there's just so much. There's a in lot there. of lore. There's yeah. a lot of lore. Um, and I like turn-based, uh, you know, isometric games. I've been, and I talked about this in the podcast, trying to find one that I can like sink my teeth into, you know, forever. Like I remember I did one recently, and you were like, "Why would you play that, Carlos?" Because, and, and I told you, I'm trying to find the one that I like. Now I didn't want a roguelike, you know. I just, I just saw this, uh, you know, marketing material and thought turn-based. RPG. Yeah, you know, I don't remember seeing it. anything about roguelike in the PR materials at all. No, and so that is obviously my main, you know, uh, detractor why I don't like it in that way. I like parts of it. You know, I think the the art's great, and um, you know, it was fun in the beginning, and I like the card system. I don't think we mentioned that, but there's like little cards for the troops, and like you said, the kind of resource spending and putting them down on the on the board, which reminded me of, of again turn based games that I like. So there's some stuff that'd be liked there, and I do a little bit of humor, which is interesting. But it's so much lower, and I don't care. You know, I, I'm not the. I don't understand it. Um, and the main problem I didn't like is that it's just too slow. Like you can make those games where the action, the actual action of fighting and hitting the guy, is faster. Like I just don't know why it's so slow. And like going from turn to turn, or from like letting them decide what they're doing or whatever. Like everything just felt uber slow. Did it feel slow to you at all? No, not at all. That was not How even is that one of my complaints. Possible? Yeah. Oh my god! I goodness. felt like it moved at a pretty good clip. Honestly, I thought it was okay. <laughs> okay, agree to disagree. Um, and maybe it's because I've played other turn-based games that just you know the action's quicker or something. But for some reason, that kind of bothered me. Um, and then in general, yeah, I just didn't feel like investing my time in it because it's more of a roguelike than anything else. And I really wanted to just like just have like a one-player campaign that was maybe eight hours and not like a three-hour you know, multiple runs kind of thing. So yeah. I, it's a bias I'm giving it. So mm -hmm. if you like that style, like listen to Brad's review. Um, if you're like me and you don't like roguelikes, I think you should listen to my review because I don't, I really wanted to nope out because I just felt like, I don't know. I just felt yeah. defeated. Yeah. I mean, I, everything you're saying makes sense to me. And I, you know, I would definitely really, um, you know, emphasize you have to be ready to do the roguelike, you know, try and fail, try and fail, try and fail, and then finally succeed. Like you're not, you are not going to start this game and finish it on your first run. There's like basically no way you'd have to. Right. Be. I'm not sure if it's even possible to even do that. You're not strong enough, honestly. Um, so that was that's that's a thing. I mean, I think it's okay. It's not my preference when I'm playing a turn-based strategy, but I think it was okay. Um, the problem that I had, a couple problems that I had with this game. Number one, I feel like the graphics are very small. Now you can zoom the camera in. 
But then when you zoom the camera in, you're losing sight of the whole battlefield. Oh, yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. I kind of had to like, okay, I was like looking at the whole battlefield and I feel like, okay, this is really too small. The text is on the small side. It's not terrible, but it's definitely on the small side. Graphics, definitely on the small side. Hit the zoom. I'm like, oh, yeah, these models look great. Like these guys are super detailed. They look really cool. The attacks look cool. But then you can't see anything else. So you got to zoom back out. So I feel like there could have been a better middle ground in terms of like how large things are on the screen. I felt like it was kind of small. My eyes were getting a little bit tired and I was tired of zooming in and out. So that was a little bit annoying. The other thing, uh, to be honest with you, I found it to be pretty buggy. Did you notice it was buggy at all? No, I mean, maybe that's what I'm talking about. That'd be funny if that's what I meant because the animations felt like chuggy. So maybe, maybe I don't know if it was by design or if it was a bug, but to me, the animation seems slow or weird. The animations, I mean, it's possible. I did I did have a couple things happen. But for me, mostly what happened was it was like the game wouldn't recognize my input sometimes, especially when I was on, like, the menu screen between battles. Like, for example, you'd get, like, a new sword, and I'm like, okay, cool. I want to equip this new sword. I just picked up a sword in the last battle. I would go to the menu screen. Sword's not there. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I know for a fact I just got a sword. Hmm. Click the menu. It's not there. Back out of the menu. Come back into the menu. Sword is there. Oh, okay, I didn't so have that. it just oh yeah. Or sometimes I would like click between the the ability skills that you could have, and it would just like freeze. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And then all of a sudden it would catch back up. Like the Xbox was like thinking or something, you know, like something was loading or something. Yeah. Which shouldn't happen. I mean, this is not really a resource intensive game compared to some other stuff I played. It just was like random things. Like sometimes the A button wouldn't work for like a turn or two, and then sometimes it would work. And sometimes stuff that I knew for a fact was there wasn't there, but then it would be there later. And it wasn't like anything game breaking, right? But it was like lots of those little occurrences of where I felt like the whole game was kind of like held together with duct tape and bailing mm. wire. And it wasn't like responsive, solid. Everything works exactly the first time. Like, especially when I was like equipping my troops, it was real dicey. Like, I'd be like, where's that thing? I know I just picked up that thing. It's not there. Oh, there it is. It just appeared like it wasn't there five seconds ago. That really kind of annoyed me. And also there were some weird things when I was playing the game. The weirdest thing was I was in a very pitched battle. I had my main character, and then I had like a shield bearer who was protecting my main character, and I was fighting a boss. And I'm like, okay, I need this shield guy to not die because he's going to buy me an extra turn, and then that's going to give me enough time to, to hit this boss with some damage, and I'm going to pull it off. I click on my shield bearer. I shit you not. It, he fucking exploded, and his body did a backflip off the edge of the screen, and he what? just like vanished. <laughs> I was like, we need we need a gif of that. Oh my god! I wish I had thought to like get the video of that because it was like my jaw just hit the floor. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? That was not his ability, not a special power. He just decided to explode and backflip, and I have no clue what happened. So like every once in a while, little things like that happen, but none of them were ever game breaking. None of them ever like cost me a round or anything, but. It just feels like this game is real shaky, like barely holding itself together. And I don't like that feeling very much. I wish it was more solid. But other than that, I like it a lot. I think it was really good. I finished it. Um, I think the three factions are pretty interesting and well-balanced. I like the the tactic system is pretty well done. Uh, it, you know, the graphics are good when you zoom in. I think it's a pretty good use of Warhammer. I think this is definitely one of the winners. Um, a little shaky, but overall, I really liked it a lot. Okay, agree to disagree again, and that's fine. That's what this podcast is about. I think um, I, I like parts of it. I, I like the Warhammer. I'm not. I'm not against Warhammer because we try again every game. Every I, game. I like the 40k universe better too. Um, it's just more appealing to me and that kind of sci-fi element. But at the same time, I'm down for fantasy. So I did not have a fun time. 
you know, uh, that it just, it, it got a little long in the tooth. It got, it felt like the animations were slow or buggy. That could have been it too. You know, like the, the input lag, yeah. now that you're saying yeah. that, that feels very familiar. Definitely some input lag experience. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then when you have input lag with someone who's already thinking it's too slow, that's, you know, not a good uh, mix. And the roguelike, you know, threw me off because I really was like, again, we always talk about this. It's down to expectation, right? For sure. For you sure. give me this game. We got the code, right? And I was like, oh, I'm excited because like turn base, I'm all in. So a little bit disappointed by that. But again, for people who like uh, roguelike games and Warhammer, it seems like a, a win for you. And uh, for me, here's my little tangent. I, I like got really, really like wanting an, a turn based game after this. <laughs> because it wasn't what I wanted, you know? It's like my expectation was not met. So I went on the internet and found out that coming soon, King's Bounty 2 is coming out. Oh, yeah. I saw a trailer for that. Yeah. And um, you can't even tell my, my level of excitement. I'm a King's Bounty person. We've never mentioned it on this podcast because it came out a long time ago. But that's the kind of turn-based game I like. So for me, that's where I'll head. I'm going to check that one out, too. That looks like uh, something I would enjoy as well. Oh, it's going to anyway, be so good. Okay. Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Stormground. And as you mentioned, I forgot to say this at the top of the segment. I apologize. But we were provided codes for the purpose of talking about it on this podcast, which we just did. Yep. Um, up next for me, surprise. A surprise game came out of nowhere. And I'm going to spoil it right at the top. I think it's actually pretty great. It's called Crying Sons. Have you heard of it? I have not, but I'll look it up. I had not heard of it either until it showed up. Wait, it wait is, is, is it on a Switch and is it a roguelike? It is on the Switch and it is a roguelike, yes. Oh my goodness, are you serious? And I'm dead serious. Again, okay. It is a sci-fi narrative-heavy roguelike. And it's not roguelike in the traditional sense. Um, I'll, I'll explain why. So basically, the premise of this game is that you are in the far-flung future. This is heavy sci-fi premise, right? So you wake up a clone, and there's a robot, and he's like, hey, man, just BT-dubs, you're a clone. The universe has gone to shit. You are the failsafe to restore order to the galaxy. Hop in our spaceship, and let's go fix some stuff. So that is kind of the basic premise. The story is pretty involved. There's a lot of story, uh, and a lot of it is optional. You don't have to watch all of it. But if you like it, there's tons there to, to take advantage of. I give it props for that. I think the story is actually pretty good. I've really been enjoying the little bits uh, but basically what it shakes down to is you captain a ship and you go out into the universe with your robot helper and along the way you recruit troops that help you uh, they all have different skills those skills can be applied to running your battleship or they can be applied to uh, sending troops to a ground if you go like explore nearby planets uh, there's also ship to ship combat in space and the meat and potatoes of the experience is flying between different galaxies and talking to the people who are there. And it's really quick. Like, this is a very fast play. Like, if you look at the, the screenshots of this, it looks, like, super dense. Like, oh, my God, like, hex space map and all this text on the screen and what's all this stuff. It it's looks, like, super. There's it's actually not like that at all. Like, it is very quick. It's very easy to pick up. Oh. It's very approachable. Really light. Really fast. It doesn't look like it, but trust me, it is. Wait, wait um, hold so, on. It looks like the, the I'm sorry, uh, but the, yeah. the text looks real small. Are you have a problem with that? No, it's. I feel like it's readable. I'm not having a problem oh, with the okay. text so far. So I was. I was concerned about that, uh, but I am playing on the Switch. I am playing on handheld and in docked mode. And in both cases, I feel like it's okay. You know, okay. it could be a little bit bigger. It's not the biggest, but I feel like it's not bad. Okay. 
Um, so that's no problem. Uh, but basically, the meat and potatoes of the experience is you fly to a new galaxy. Uh, you see your, your, your captain and your robot sitting in the deck of your ship. If you have any, uh, you know, teammates or whatever, they'll be there as well. And then something comes up on screen. It's like when you're watching Star Trek and someone's like, Captain, someone's on screen. <laughs> and then you talk to them and they'll be like, uh, it could be anything, right? It could be like a space pirate being like, fuck you, I'm going to kill you. We're going to fight. And then it becomes a fight. Or it could be like, hey, Captain, help us out. We need a bunch of money. Can you spare some money? Or it's like, hey, we've got like aliens running rampant. Um, do you have... A combat specialist and then you like look in your troops and you're like do i have a combat specialist oh i do and you can like send them to help these people or not you can just keep on going on your way so like there's all these little like micro scenarios that pop up and then you have to decide do i want to help if i do want to help can i help like what you know what happens is some of it's really good some of it's really bad like it's kind of like you know you never know what's going to happen until you just give it a shot right sometimes you try to do the right thing blows up in your face Sometimes you're acting like a dick, but then it happens to turn out in your favor. Like you never quite know, right? So there's lots of interesting little micro scenarios. Um, but when you do get to the combat, I think the combat is really good. Like looking at a screenshot of the combat, it looks like crazy, a little bit intimidating. Super not intimidating at all. Like it just looks that way. You pick a couple ships. The enemy picks a couple ships. You go to town. Most of it's automated. Uh, you can change a couple things here and there. But like, I mean, it's just, it's really approachable tactics wise like there's not a lot to it but i say that in a good way i really feel like there is a appropriate amount of tactics an appropriate amount of stuff to fiddle with like you're not going to be doing like super hardcore stat management you're not going to be like tweaking you know the vernier boost on every particular plane you have like it's just like you know i want to deploy fighters i want to deploy freighters i want to deploy drones like you know that kind of high level decision making and then the computer kind of like takes it from there you can give them little pointers if you like. But I feel like the combat happens really well. I feel like I got into a good rhythm with it. I feel like it's really good and quick and easy. Uh, as I mentioned, you can also encounter areas where you can send your troops down to the planet. And depending on what their skills are, they'll either like find treasure or they will find nothing. Or if you pick the wrong skills, then they'll get eaten by a monster or they'll blow up in a, you know, a bomb they try to defuse and they fail. Like all sorts of like random stuff happens. Like Lots and lots and lots of micro little random choices, random events happening. So you basically just go from galaxy to galaxy. What's up in this galaxy? Oh, somebody needs help. Next galaxy. Oh, it's a fight. Next galaxy. Oh, I found an abandoned installation. I'm going to send my troops down and we scavenge some money. Next, you know, like you just kind of go galaxy to galaxy to galaxy. It's super got that like one more turn feel to it. Like you do right. a turn. It's over so quick. You're like, oh, that was cool. I want to do just one more. Oh, I just want to do one more. And then, like, before you know it, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I should really go to bed. But I can just do one more. Like, <laughs> you, you do just one more. Of, you just keep doing one more. I have a quick question. So yeah. I like the fact that it's procedurally generated. Did we say that? Um, that's why it's so random, right? Like, there's it says on the, on, the, on the details it's procedurally generated universe. Yes. Every time you go, every time you start a new run, whatever is in that galaxy is, is procedurally generated. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the game that's like that that I like. Um, it's bothering me now. But there's a game that does that. It's sci-fi. And it's a new thing each time. And I love it. I love that style. So there's so much that you just said I like, but I don't like roguelike. So my question to you is how much are you dying? And is it setting you back or do you just feel like it's fun because it's another, like you said, another alien race or another thing to explore? Well, here's the thing. So I have not played FTL, but some people have said it is kind of similar to FTL, but it's not nearly as hard. So if you like FTL, maybe this is worth looking into. Um, the, so there's the thing here is there's multiple difficulty levels. The easy difficulty level is really easy, dude. Like it's super easy. It's super <laughs> easy. So yeah, I mean, unless you like completely make bad decision after bad decision, 
you're going to basically sail through easy mode no problem. Like, it's really, really easy. Uh, if you do die, uh, you get sent back and, like, your new clone appears from the clone tank with your memories and stuff. Uh, but basically, if you make it through one chunk of the story, when you die and go back, you go back to that chunk of the love story. Love it. I love it. So all you got to do is make it through one chunk at a time. If you can make it to the end of that chunk and beat the boss, you start there. The story keeps going from there. And then you don't. And if you go back, you you get back to it. That's a stock ship. You have to like, you know, any upgrades you bought are gone. But like if you unlock any crew members along the way, you can get those guys back. Um, you know, you might have to buy a couple guns. I mean, it basically just resets your ship more or less. But other than that, like, it's not really a big penalty. Like, it's, wow. it doesn't feel like you're really set back that far. I just wish more roguelikes would do that. You know, I would be, I would be down for the ride more often, you know? Yeah. And I know if that's like, I don't know, just like some people say with a, you know, get good for Dark Souls and all that stuff, you know, it has to be a certain style. Nothing has to be anyway. Like, that seems like a much more attainable or just brings in more audience for someone to play something. Yeah. You know, I mean, you may even want to look into this one, dude, because I feel like this is a very, very, very approachable um, roguelike because it's so gentle. Like even when you crash and burn, like it's not like you're crying, like you didn't get sent back super far, like and you don't really lose that much. It's just about really it's about how much resources can you gather and can you be strong enough to beat the boss by the time you get there. But the good thing is like a run is like, I mean, half hour max, maybe even shorter than that. So the runs are really quick. Like it's not. When you say run, you mean beat the thing. Like if you're going from square one to beating the first boss, like just doing like one chunk. Oh, one chunk. Okay. And then the game saves after that. Like like half hour max, dude, probably not even that long. So like even if you die, you're not wasting that much time. And like by the time you die, you've learned to make better choices the next time. And you will make a better choice the next time. Like I feel like this is a really gentle one and it's not overwhelming and it's not punishing. And there's a lot of story to carry you through. So if you like the sci-fi story, there's a lot of it and it keeps your interest. Like you get these new little events popping up. Like I feel like it's just really well done all the way through. Dude, I'm straight up jumping in. And this, I've jumped into a couple of roguelikes because you've mentioned them on the show. Uh, This size the science fiction. It's got, uh, it says 300 possible story events. I just love the procedurally generated in this kind of a, you know, aesthetic. So yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm going to, of course, put it in easy mode. Oh yeah, do. So I feel good about it, you know? Um, but this just looks, this looks really good. Yeah. The graphics are great. I really like the art style. I mean, I will. So, so what are the downsides? The downsides so far, I will say it's a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, so there's a little bit more to the campaign than I expected. I'm still playing it. I'm playing it every day. I'm not tired of it, but I just, I, I just felt like we were going to get to the end of the story a little bit sooner than we are, but that's, you know, maybe not a bad thing depending on where you're coming from. And I feel like there's a, a little bit of a learning curve uh, when you're just starting out because uh, the tutorials are actually pretty good. But when you get into the very specific details about like which ship's special ability is better for which situation, that's like an experiential thing. Like you really got to kind of figure that out for your own. I know now like which ships I prefer and when I prefer to use those, etc., etc. Um, so a little bit of a learning curve there. And I got to say I'm on my fifth run right now and I've, only just now started to see a couple of the events repeat. So up until this whole time, it's been 100% like new events, new mm. twists, new things. So uh, I'm not hitting a whole lot of repeats so far, which is pretty good. But overall, it came out of nowhere, and I really dig it a lot. I think it's super good. Uh, check it out, Crying Sons. And I'm trying to find the developer, publisher's Humble Games. 
and the developer is Alt Shift. Alt Shift. There you go. There you go. One more quick shout out, and then we're going to wrap this show up. Uh, not a lot to say on it right now, but I've been so inspired by this year's run of Resident Evil 8, followed by Resident Evil 7, uh, that I kind of was like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm getting my mojo back. Maybe I can play horror games again, because I was like so oh. scared for such a long time. I'm like, maybe I can do this. So. I popped into Song of Horror. I'm playing this on Xbox. Have you played this one, Carlos? I haven't. I'm going to look it up, see if I have, and I don't remember what it's called. Is it newish? Um, it's been out on PC for a while. I think it came out maybe one or two years ago. It is new to consoles, but it's been on PC uh, for a bit. Basically, this is a um, kind of an old school Resident Evil game in the sense that it's got like the fixed camera angles. So like when you go into a room, like the camera's in one place and you can't move it. Like they usually give you the spooky overhead tilted camera angle or something and your character is walking through this room uh, relative to the camera uh, the basic story is you are a guy who works for a publishing company your number one author has vanished he did not deliver the manuscript and you've got to go to his house and find out what what happened to that book because you got to sell it you get there and shit goes sideways things go crazy i'm not going to spoil it but the very next thing that happens is you get to choose from six or eight different characters. Each one is a totally different person, and they all have different abilities, different strengths, different weaknesses, different personalities. And whichever one you pick, that's the one that you choose to continue the story from that point. Uh, also, there is permadeath in this game. So if you pick one of these people and you run into a bad way, that person dies, they're gone forever. But then you pick up the story at that point with one of the other you know, five or six remaining people and keep going. So I think that's pretty cool. It's also episodic. So you only have to play like maybe two, three hours at a chunk before you get to a real good pause point. And then you can decide, you know, am I brave enough to keep going? Do I want to take a break? So they break it up into small bite-sized pieces. I think the uh, permadeath thing with the multiple different characters, pretty fucking cool. Uh, So far I'm into it. I really like the tone. I like the style. I'm in the very first chapter. I haven't lost anybody yet. Knock on wood knock 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 but i'm digging it i think it's pretty neat and it is kind of um it's a little bit key fetchy but the house is so small uh that you're in that it doesn't feel like a big pain in the ass like you're usually only like one or two rooms away it's not like trekking from like one end of the auditorium all the way to the other like the way that it can sometimes feel in resident evil so finding a key in the kitchen and going back to the living room not really that big a deal how many how many how many horse puzzles does it have how many horse keys or rabbit ear doors. I mean, that's the weird thing, right? Because I found a key and it looked like a key. And I'm like, what? wait, but it, it can't be a key. It's got to be something else, right? It's got to be nope. a horse key. <laughs> Actually, it was like literal key. I'm like, oh shit, it's wow. this key looks like a key. And there was only one. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can deal with one actual key. That makes sense to me. So I'm only, I'm, I'm super early, uh, not very far, but I really like the premise I really like the way that you switch between the characters. I think that using permadeath is pretty interesting. Uh, there is also a difficulty level if you don't want to have permadeath. So if you don't want to do that, you can just get back to your recent save if you don't want to lose anybody. So I respect that. Also, I will say one thing that I thought was really cool was when you go to select your difficulty level, instead of easy, hard, you know, normal, whatever, they're named after authors. So like the, the easiest author is somebody, somebody... You know, like the third highest one is like Edgar Allan Poe. 
the highest oh, difficulty nice. is HP Lovecraft. I thought that was like a neat little touch. So yeah, very, yeah. Very, very cool. By the way, it's got great reviews on Steam. I'm looking at it. And the art style looks cool. It looks like uh, when they updated Resident Evil 2, you know? Yeah. Like, it looks yeah. really good graphics. And when you were talking about it, it sounded like it's Intel Dawn meets Resident Evil. Yeah, that's a pretty good, you know, that didn't occur to me, but that is actually a pretty good way to put it so far, where it, it feels like a Resident Evil, like a classic Resident Evil, but on a smaller, more manageable scale. But yeah, you've got that Until Dawn aspect where your people can die, like they can for real die. And I don't right. know if you get more people in the second chapter. Like, I don't know if your roster gets refreshed if you die, or you got to make it to the end of the game with just these five or six people. I don't know. We'll see how that goes, but pretty interesting so far. Man, I now that you're now I'm looking at it and we're talking about it. I did see it on Xbox. That's what you're playing, right? Xbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just yeah. came to Xbox like real recently. And I was just about to click it because I I also am like you, where um, you know I'm not as enamored with seven and eight as you you got to be, which is great. Uh, but I do like horror games, and I like Until Dawn, and I liked old school Resident Evil up until four, I think. So this has got some interest to me. I remember like almost clicking it now on Xbox. And now that all the stuff you said and the reviews and stuff, it looks great. This might be your jam, dude. I'm actually into it so far. I'm, I'm kind of digging it. So uh, I'm going to stick in it for sure. And I will report back when I get a little further. But so far, uh, again, early days. But so far, definitely a thumbs up. Cool. All right. Uh, anything else from you, Carlos? I think I'm tapped out. I'm good. But what about you? I am tapped out. But I will remember that um, during the Summer Games Fest, I think... They mentioned those those guys that make uh, Until Dawn are making a new game. Supermassive, yes. House of Ash, Ashes, House of Ashes. It's something like it's military meets monsters. Yes, and they promised that weird. this time the monsters will be real. Right, actual monsters. They showed them. I, I saw a trailer. It was in the Summer Games Fest, I think. Uh, I saw it today. I don't know where I saw it, but yeah, they showed um, military, like in a cave somewhere, like fighting monsters. Yeah, so I, I, I like those games. I'm definitely up for that. It's really fun to play those on the couch with my wife, and sometimes my son watches if it's not too scary. So we've been through all of them so far. I'm always up for another one of those. Cool. Yeah, all I have to add is that next episode we'll be talking E3, and we'll be talking about Ratchet & Clank for sure on my end because I'm firing that baby up tonight. There we go. All right, that's what you got to look forward to, folks. And for now, we would like to look forward to your questions and comments. Send us anything. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. So hit us up there if you like as well at so video games, or you can reach us individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Okay. So I did a little thing on TikTok, and I switched my TikTok name. So I'm going to give it to you right now. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to do all sorts of comedy and not just video game comedy. Sure. So my TikTok name is now a lot of things comedy. Okay. So just check me out on there and there's a new skit dropping tonight, which means by the time you hear this, it'll be up. Go check out all of my comedy. It won't just be video games. It's everything comedy. So quick question. Does that mean that your old TikTok name is no longer valid? Like everybody should drop that one and switch over to this one? Good point. Yes. Uh, video game sketch was what it was called. Um, again, it kind of like limited me to just do video game sketches because of the name. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to do a, a sketch comedy about anything. So it's just my brand, a lot of things, but with the word comedy after it. And that's it. A lot of things comedy on TikTok. There we go. As for me, the usual suspects, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 236. Thank you, folks, again, for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast. 
And we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Carlos.